Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. And joined with us on this episode is Chris Poots from the Rebel Podcast. Holla. How are you doing? To do as gangster as possible. <laughs> you, you nailed it. No one could ever like question your gangsterness. Everybody in New York's gangster, right? Like you guys all like straight out of the Jenny from the block. So I was like, I tried to of bring course. the the gangster. Of That's course. what I tried to do. Yes, one hundred. I don't know. You are as gangster as Manhattan. You are. You are so on the mark. <laughs> Who who's the most gangster of the Rebel Network? Do you think? Like legitimately. Like who so Peanut likes someone? gangster rap. Yeah, like who 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 would shank somebody? Well, yeah. Grant's probably the most gangster that way. I would think he's got the mustache. Um, I don't know. Um, I was just thinking, like, who's the most thug life, like of the gang of the rebels? Nora. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nora's the gangster. I love it. Yeah. Done. Great. Concept. But like the one who's like you know sort of low key in the background, like is is Andrew. You know what I mean? That's true. Every now and then he's quiet, but I feel if like we're gonna stick with adults in at a least, shadow, you know? like he's lurking. You know. Yeah, that's a that's a strong bet, Andrew Emery. Because when he comes one. and when he comes out, it's strong. You know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah, never he swings and misses. Yeah, he he's silent, but then when he comes in, he comes in with full fire, right? So that's right. so like, yeah, he's good. He's so like a drive by. So if you need to put out a hit and you pick him, like you know, it's gonna get done. You know what I'm saying? See, I feel like if we're taking this like to realistic, you know, setting here, I feel like he would be like probably the head of the mafia you know yeah like he's gonna be um you know the gaudy the those that that figure yeah true you're just gonna be like one of the what do they call what are the what are like the you know just typical like we should know this and i can't yeah like workers call like you know there's like the new yorkers should know this i think (laughs) no what are they called i'm blanking we could google the capos they're capos yeah yeah isn't that like the second tier that's like they got like the crew leaders okay, basically cool. I, I feel think. like grant's phone is trying to tell him something yeah google is trying to answer i don't know but i feel like you're the first tier because you're like the soldier so everyone would look at you and be like oh wow you're tough like you'll shank someone but you're yeah. kind of the front man you know like you're our mm-hmm. distraction you're seen a lot but yeah. andrew's like back in the background like right making things tick Never right. seen, like barely seen from the car door to the front door of the house. Like that's the only time you see them. Yeah. Yeah, I like exactly. it. I like it. And I think you would rock the coat well. Like, you know, those big, like, you know, the trench gangster coat. trench coats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would true. rock that well. Yeah. All right. I, I derailed your podcast enough. That was, I thought that was All true. right. We're done. That's <laughs> good. All those documentaries we've watched about the mafia and we can't even think of terms now. Well, it's because we keep learning new terms too. <laughs> that's true. That guy that, that we watched one recently where this guy he got kind of screwed over by the mafia because of a new guy coming up, and so he's like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna do me like that? I'm gonna rat all of you out." Oh. He, he ratted like everyone out, and it caused mayhem in Italy and Brazil and America. Oh, yeah, did just watch that one? It was crazy. It was really good. Is that on like Netflix or something? 
Where did we watch I that? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Netflix. Mm-hmm. Can can I? Everybody knows you're coming to Canada, right? So, um, can I yeah. can I tell you something that probably nobody bothered to tell you until you already said yes? Yes. Canadian um, Netflix now, is worse. Yeah, Canadian Netflix is terrible compared really? to yours. Why like, is your it Netflix any different? Is, because you guys have different laws. We have Canadian content laws, so like everything yeah. has to wait till it's been out for a certain amount of time. So like you get shows like that have kind of already just just aired. Mm-hmm. Where ours are all like, unless they're Netflix original, that's like, it, we have to wait for the new season to be on the air before they can put the old one out. So we're all, we're serious? always behind. Yeah. So like, you like guys are going to be season. Yeah. Lame. Man. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Binge now is what I'm saying, my friend. Binge <laughs> now. Like, so it's going to be terrible. That's probably the only thing that sucks about it, though. That's the only downfall. Wait, so is that is that the way it happens for? Go to bed. Go to bed. He, he's not talking to me. He's talking to his kids. I think. Yeah. That was Lila. Lila. Okay. So there's associates. You'd be an associate, right? Oh, okay. Maybe not. Maybe that would be like someone that, maybe Sandra would be like an associate. You'd be like, you know, those are just like people we affiliate with. They're not really one of us kind of a thing. They're not okay. one of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. You'd be like a soldier. So Wes Mubourne's a one, is a, an associate. Yeah, he's like an associate. Yeah, like yeah, you're kind of yeah. one of us, but not really, you know? Like Sandra? Yeah. Then we got soldiers. Then we got capos. Then we got consigliers. I don't know see. if I'm saying that right. I'm not Italian. I don't know. Then we got Sounds the underboss. So. <laughs> Nate could be like the underboss, right? Yeah. And then Andrew's the boss. Andrew's the boss boss. For sure. But I feel like there are still other terms. Yeah. I feel like that's good. I feel like you've, you've done well, good work there. Thank you. I've earned my keep. All right. <laughs> All right. So um, we are going to talk about a serious topic. Speaking of mafia. <laughs> I'd love to see Some this Some of us segue. may feel as though we are <laughs> being, uh, we are living under a mafioso. That's true. We right do now. feel like we are living under a whole bunch of mob bosses right now. Yeah. I think in Canada, probably about the same as here. Or yeah, a lot is of it the different states. in Canada? Like, okay, so this is once again, we were telling Nate and Colleen the other night. I feel like in Canada, y'all are educated in like American geography and politics, a little yeah, bit at 100%. least. 100%. Americans are not educated in any, like, I literally couldn't have even told you the difference between like a province and a territory. And like uh, up until a couple weeks ago, I couldn't have told you what the leader of your province was was called. What the title? Like we of just that is. are not taught that at all. No one's taught that nothing. Yeah, we have we have. The funny thing is, that you guys just use different words for all. Right. Right. Like your governor would be our premier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the person who runs the the I don't like and your your governor is Como, right? Como. Right, yeah. Cuomo. Yeah. Cuomo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny that I know the New York governor. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's because he's terrible. Um, yeah. It's because Every- he's, he's the devil. Yeah. Um, right. There's that. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And then, like, so we have premiers, which are basically, like, the same the same thing. Um, and then we don't – we have, like – your congressman would be, like, our, our uh, like, MPs, we would call them. Like, mm. so you'll learn. You'll see the signs. The other thing that will trip you out is, like, up here you don't vote for your prime minister. Like, so we don't vote for – the prime right. minister we vote for like our individual party so like when the election comes because you'll got you guys will be here before the, our next election 
you'll be like seeing all these signs for like different names, even though it's the same party. And you'll be like, who am I? Like, how do I vote here? Mm-hmm. Even though you probably can't vote right away, but yeah, never um, away. it'll be different. So we'll figure that out. Yeah. You'll figure it all out. It'll be great. So, okay. I'll try to. so I don't know if it's just like remnants of uh, patriotism, which I mean, there's very little of it existing in our country yet, but you do find pockets of it. Um, primarily in the South and like Northeastern region, I feel like, but there has been certainly a decent amount of Americans who feel as though their rights are being infringed upon by being told where to go, when to shop, what time to shop, like, and they hate it. Where they're allowed to go, like, and even what time, like there's been curfews put on certain cities or certain areas. We're told we can't gather which means we can't go to church. Um, and that's like one of the, one of the amendments too, is like the freedom to, to assemble, assemble. Mm-hmm. not even freedom of religion, freedom to practice your religion, but just the right to assemble. Mm-hmm. So that's like two different rights. So there are kind of like those section, that section of Americans. And then there's the section of Americans who are very much like whatever the government tells me I must obey because they're my nanny. And of course there are people in between. Is it kind of that way in Canada too, or not so much? Yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit different. One, our, uh, our rules aren't nearly as stringent yet. Like, so we're not, we're being advised to stay home, but like there's no curfews. The national mm-hmm. guard isn't driving up our streets or anything like that. Um, ours is more of a cultural, like, uh, mandate. So like our government has shut down like all non-essential services. They've like, most people are working from home, but like, mm-hmm. you know, we can still go, like we could still go out and not face any, any penalties or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, and Canadians are a little bit like we're a, we're a far less patriotic country. So one of the fundamental differences I think between Americans and Canadians just is basically, um, I'm, I'm the, the word is escaping, but your constitution. Mm-hmm. So like Americans are very like first amendment, second amendment. They they're aware of their, their rights in these certain mm-hmm. areas. Sometimes to you, I think in my opinion, to your detriment, um, cause you think that that's like a, almost like a, not you guys personally, but like, I feel like a lot of Americans think that the, the second most important thing after the Bible yeah. is that, right, is yeah. that document. Yeah. It's like inspired um, by God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've heard I, in the gun debate, I used to always hear, um, like it was written by it was written by Christian men, so therefore we should take it like it is scripture. And I'm like, Whoa. that's mm. so dangerous. Like, oh, yeah. uh, not that you guys have ever said that, but I've heard people say that. No, um, yeah, that's bad. But what the reason I bring that up though is because Canada, we don't have that sort of document in Canada, so mm. we don't have like a a place where we'd be like, you're infringing on this specific right. right. We have just a generic like what our rights are as humans kind of thing, like mindset. So like when the government comes out and says, stay home for your safety, Canadians, we're, we're a far less patriotic nation. Um, you'll be shocked when you come to Canada. You think like I've been to places like New York and stuff like that. Even the, the least patriotic pe- people there are far more patriotic than anybody in Canada. Hmm. Like that's just, it's just wow. a cultural thing. We're not, we're not patriotic at all about our country. We love our country, but we're not like, it's, it's not the same. No Fourth of uh, July, no Fourth of July equivalent over there. Uh, we you do Canada we do, Day, don't you? Yeah, Canada Day is July first. Um, but like you'll again, another thing you'll notice when you come to Canada is everything we do is like basically like I'm slandering my own country, second rate <laughs> compared to what you guys do. So like, 
how we, excuse me, how we make like even events big and stuff like that is not anything compared to what you guys will be um, experiencing when you come. <laughs> Everything's just smaller because we have less money, we have less people, and we're and we're just more afraid of offending anybody. So, um, <laughs> in terms of in terms of like where I was going with that whole ramble, in terms of like us getting upset about our rights being infringed and things like that, there there are like there are people who are aware of it and people who are like. Um, upset about certain things that are happening, but generally Canadians on the whole are almost, uh, I would <laughs> basically apologetic. So we're kind of like, okay, if our government says to stay home, we will, you know what I mean? Right. Just because of the, the fact that like, oh, okay, well, there must be a reason that they're doing that. Mm -hmm. um, for, the, for the most part. Now, I would say we, we, as much as Americans, we hate our politicians the same as you guys do. Mm -hmm. So um, there are people who immediately hear Trudeau say, Stay home. Trudeau's our prime minister. If anybody's listening, doesn't know. Um, he says, stay There are Americans home. out there who aren't taught anything. You have to explain these things in American terms. Okay. Our, our, <laughs> our prime minister, which would be your president, is a guy named Justin Trudeau, um, who is not a very good or moral man, um, similar to yours, but for different reasons. Um, <laughs> and he, but like he himself is like encouraging everybody to stay home and, and just on the whole, Canadians would just listen to that. Um, mm -hmm. So, but we're not we're not anywhere near what you guys are in terms. Like, you guys are further ahead on the whole Corona isolation, and we're getting to where you are, but we're not where you guys are yet. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's good because um, today, even the governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, which is where I'm from, case which people is, don't yeah, know, all of Erica's the family. Milwaukee baby. Milwaukee. we're not like tracking you know individual states so much as we just know our little pockets of right. the world he just issued a shelter in it's not place. shelter in place he's calling it safer at home which safer is a fancy home. way of saying shelter in place stay in your daggum house um but it's an order for an entire month so if you are outside your home doing anything other than something that's essential. So buying food, going to the doctor, buying medicine. Buying liquor. Because if you're from Wisconsin, you know you don't shut down our liquor stores. You can be fined. Like you can be ticketed and fined. And we're just like, this is absolutely insane. I, th I think part of my whole problem with this whole like quarantine, because I, I understand like you got to flatten the curve and I, I, I can sympathize with government's like... Intentions. Intentions of like we need to stop um, an outbreak because we're the ones that are going to get blamed for this. If like mm -hmm. like that kind of mindset, even though they couldn't prevent this right. happening, you know? yeah, you can never have um, complete control. But you know, the the moment the November elections come up in the states, oh yeah, Trump is going to be responsible for the coronavirus. Let's mm -hmm. just let's just be honest. Um, but like, I can understand that. But my my worry with that is that the overreaction is actually worse than the actual disease itself. Yeah. Like. If you if you quarantine people and say you can only leave your house for these things, at what point do we just create more panic than is worth is worth the risk? If that makes sense, you know what I mean. Like I'm just I'm shocked. And then the the worst part is if that's happening in Wisconsin, how far is it till it's Michigan, Ohio, New York? You know what I mean. Like all the right. all the like Big Ten states up in up in the top, and then all it takes is one idiot. You know what I mean. To, to break the law or some militia or something like right well know, and that's the out. thing um i was talking to sandra uh our listeners should know who sandra is by now but she lives in 
Kentucky on the Kentucky Tennessee line, which you think are like, Oh, Southern States, like these men are like stiff upper lip kind of men, but they literally had cops guarding either end of the toilet paper aisle when she was shopping. Cause people are, are doing insane things and they're getting hurt and it's just out of control. And wow. so I'm sitting here thinking regarding toilet paper, how is this better than the alternative? Like, this is what we're paying cops to do. Let that sink in. Yeah. The, 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 the crazy, the crazy part about that is that like one, to- well, one, the crazy part is toilet paper is not a thing. That's like, <laughs> right. like, like, why, why is this, a, why is this what we need? Um, but like the crazy part is that the thing that worries me about all this, the stuff is that you have cops monitoring how much toilet paper you can buy, whatnot, all this stuff when when does that stop so like income tax was started during world war ii property tax started during world war one um these aren't things i i knew on my own nate told me these things but the in canada those things have never gone away mm-hmm. and it's like so at what point do do like all the precautions that are coming in place like cops in the grocery store monitoring what you're buying mm-hmm. monitoring when you're out monitoring when you're shopping it's a really good point when does this stop and where and where do we draw the line where it's like okay at this point you you are you are now over exercising the authority that i like the bible does give our government's authority in some ways but um at what point do they cross the line into you're now exercising authority that you don't have Mm -hmm. so um yeah historically i think like if you look at um how caesar became caesar in rome the caesars became caesars because Rome was under threat and they elected somebody to basically govern the city in a time of crisis with the whole point of he'll give back the power when that time is gone. And what happened in Rome? Well, Caesar seized the power and kept it because Mm -hmm. nobody gives up power willingly. And so my, my worry with my, my only actual worry with the coronavirus isn't even the virus itself. It's the government, like in these times where we don't know who to correctly look to because only Christians correctly look to the right right person in, the, in these times of trouble we we give the power to the government to think they're going to protect us and yep. then what happens is they don't give up their power and this is what i think history shown us and what i think wisconsin's exercising and ontario's probably not far behind mm. um, new york i'm shocked hasn't already done it um, yeah. and at one point is where, where it's like now you can't leave your house until you do x y and z for us um, like so that's what i'm i think i'm most concerned about so so speaking of power being in the hands of those who don't or shouldn't rightly have it yep we have to go here can i say one last thing on the on what pudi was just saying um all i wanted to say is that situation is very similar to exactly what led to the american revolution which is a lot of heavy taxes unnecessary taxes and then they didn't go away they just kept lobbing it with that representation and then, right, it was people who were being oppressed mm-hmm. and um, and they felt like they had no say in it. They felt trapped. And, and then there were guards literally just walking up and down the streets, making sure you didn't get out of line. Mm-hmm. And that's like where we're at. They're guarding our toilet paper, making sure right. we don't get out of line. They're putting shelter in place or safe at home, you know, orders to make sure we don't get out of line you know, so that they can do their job of ruling us. And so for the person, like, not, for the person listening yeah. who thinks that we're like probably being a little bit extreme, 
do any of us really think that cops are going to be guarding our toilet paper stash at the Piggly Wiggly forever? Like, no, I don't actually think that's going to happen. Like, I think that's probably going to go away as soon as all this is said and done with. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I was going to talk about was the fact that the government basically in one fell swoop closed on all of our churches and the church hardly batted an eye. Most people were just like, okay. Good idea. Let's close it down. Yeah. There were very few people. Um, Jeff Durbin being probably one of the loudest and only pastors that really like kicked his heels in and like stood up against the government saying, I don't care what you say. I'm like, you're not my authority when it comes to how I govern the church. Right. Can you think of any other like pastors that really were willing to stick their neck out? And yeah, I don't, I don't know of I, other than Jeff Durbin, I don't know very many who, who stayed open. I know a lot of, who have like, shut down and i understand some of their reasoning for shutting down like um i know platt and chandler both were like okay well we are trying to help like and they're trying to do the the idea of let's shut down to love our neighbors but like i think i think there's a little bit of disconnect with some of those guys and somebody like durbin who's looking at the idea of like we're commanded to gather and if we shut down this might not come back Mm -hmm. and like i i think i think you're right erica when you say like I don't think toilet paper is going to be guarded six months from now. That's like, cause that's ridiculous. That's, that's, that's an overreach that nobody would think is necessary, but I wouldn't be shocked that six months from now, they're still encouraging gatherings of over 50 people to not assemble. Mm-hmm. And it'll still be under the guise of don't get together. Cause this could spread still there's still cases and churches are forced to go against what the government's saying down the road. And the question will be how many pastors, do that and how many don't and i think it's good that somebody like jeff durbin is like basically saying no this is this is not something you can control um but i also see the other side where i'm like a i'd like a plaid is like well maybe we don't meet with a thousand people we do campus services i I don't know if there's like a real right answer but my Mm -hmm. question my worry with this is that um health is my worry i think grant you kind of touched on or erica sorry if which one said it but how quickly we were just okay with it being done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was almost like, it was like, okay, well they said so. So I'm, I'm stopping. There yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like prayerfully discerned. Like we tried to stay open in our, um, and then our elders decided to clo- to, to stop for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I know, I know our elders and I know pastor Nate. So um, at this point, our church did it prayerfully. And it was like, okay, this is what we feel is the right thing to do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I wonder how many, my concern is it didn't seem like that was something that was done on the whole in this, like with big churches in the States. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. um, I realized so, I just slandered like everybody. But. No, it's okay. We're making generalizations here. So if you're offended, maybe you should be offended. It's the Holy spirit. We haven't named you. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so here's a conversation that mm-hmm. I think would be fun to have. Okay. Um, so we're talking about like churches and I, I agree with you, Pootie. I think to some extent it is a wisdom issue. Though I think there is a biblical command to worship God, but I've heard and seen on Facebook primarily so many Christians say um, the Bible says to love your neighbor, and so loving your neighbor means not going to church. But the Bible also says you should love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that kind comes before loving your neighbor in the scripture verse, right? Like you love God first, and then you love your neighbor. So at what point do you say loving your neighbor at the cost of loving God 
is okay. Does that make sense? Does my question make sense? Like if what we're saying yeah. is we can forego what God's commanded us at the cost or at the sake of loving our neighbor, then that's our priorities are like flipped on its head. Like we it, love God first, then we love, love our neighbor, not the other way around. We don't love our neighbor and then love God. We don't forsake what God's commanded us to do in order to love quote unquote our neighbor. It's like two competing yeah. commands. And that's kind of what it seemed like a little bit, right? When you, I mean, for me, so at least, the, when the I saw question, some people post on Facebook, it almost seemed that way. Yeah. It's a principle matter because there's always a flu season. And right. um, Jeff Durbin did talk about this in his sermon because I was interested to, since they were still meeting, I was interested to hear him talk about talk, talk about this. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, uh, again, not that this is the same as the flu. It looks like it is worse. It's much more... Um, you know, it, it can, it can come on strong and it, it is, you know, taking lives. But at the same time, the principle is there that the reason why you're canceling, the reason why you're loving neighbor is to take away the risk. So, well, what flu season, there's a risk. Mm-hmm. Does that mean we just cancel any and every time there might be a risk? And I think, I mean, I just think right there, you you can see the rabbit hole is... So there's a difference, though. If, like, if I'm sick with the flu and I know if Pootie catches the flu, it could kill him, then I should stay home from church. Because, because I'm not you loving should Pootie love very well if I go there knowing I'm sick mm-hmm. and spreading my germs everywhere. Yeah, and Jeff, Jeff Durbin did say that the elders talk to elderly of the church and people who were sick, and they they spoke to those people and asked them not to come to church. Yeah, there's, and this is why I'm saying it's a wisdom issue. It's not necessarily black and white. And I do understand like you have to be creative. It's easier like in our church, there's like 50 people. So when the mandate went out that you couldn't meet unless, you know, you were under the- I think it was 200? Yeah, whatever it was at first. We were, we're like, like well, that's too easy, easy because we're a small church anyway. So <laughs> that's not hard for us. But um so so this takes like creativity if you do have a church that's like a thousand people, right? Yeah. I get that. I, I don't want to sound harsh, but what I was seeing on Facebook were a lot of Christians who were really quick to just say, I'm loving my neighbor. I'm not going to worship God on Sunday. And I just thought that's like not, that shouldn't be the Christian's gut reaction. It just seemed kind of strange to me. But also I just thought this is kind of what the christian church at large like not maybe not necessarily our denominations or our like tighter circle but like the the nominal christian circle has done for a long time is like love your neighbor at the cost of obeying god that's why we've allowed like women to be pastors and homosexuals to be ordained and all these things because we love our neighbor more than we love god well i I think i think part of the problem is that people like with that verse um people get the like the emphasis wrong it's like it's love god and love neighbor and you love your neighbor by loving god so how do you love god you obey god right do what god has commanded and that will lead to you loving your neighbor and it's like those things like those we kind of we kind of put those things on equal platforms like we love god and we love our neighbor when really it's we love god therefore we love our neighbor right Right. yeah yeah so like exactly it flows from it so like I 100% agree. I think your decision and how you're being led in terms of should we have our church service? Should we go to church? 
where does where does my loving where where does that where am I being unloving is the way that way to way I would put it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a conscience issue. Like I think everybody's gonna feel a little bit different in the in those areas, and I think the Holy Spirit can lead Grant to think one thing and me to think a different thing because the Bible doesn't tell me in a pandemic you do this, mm-hmm. but the Bible does tell me to gather together, and mm-hmm. so I think right. like the church service in general is 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 something we shouldn't we shouldn't be giving up and like. And when I say giving up, I realize my church is shut down right now. Mm-hmm. Same with us. Cards on the table. That, like, yeah. the, the difference, though, is like I think um, we, can, we can give up the building for, for a, a period of time. We can go and do what churches all around the world do every Sunday anyway, mm-hmm. which is meet in creative ways, meet in smaller groups via video, all those things. We can do those things as a corporate body. Like my, my small group last night had a prayer meeting with my small group and Nate's small group joined together over zoom. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, we can do that. And then we have the ability to do that, but we're still gathering together. You know what I mean? So I think, I think there's ways for us to like do kind of both and not risk giving up on church. But I think, um, I realize I'm saying two, two things that are almost contradictory. (laughs) Um, but like what we can't do is stop gathering in some form. If yeah. that makes sense. We still have to be, if it's Facebook, we, uh, like live, we still have to be getting together as our, our as our church family mm-hmm. in some, in some way. And, and I think like the, the Bible very clearly tells us that we, we of, of all people have nothing to fear. So like my, the thing, the thing I'm, I've wrestled with, with through this whole pandemic is that um, like there's there are people in the church who I could I could at risk give the disease to if I have it and I don't know I have it I I don't think I have it I've been 12 days without any symptoms so I'm pretty sure I don't I'm clear mm-hmm. like at what point am I infringing on their their want of social distancing you know what I mean where I'm like yeah. okay they want they want to be absolved so it's like one of those things like I my I have a good friend who's elderly in the church and he's he's in my small group, but he's chosen to just stay home for the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm respecting that. And that's how I'm loving him by just being like, okay, yeah. I won't, right. I won't go and visit you, but I'll still talk to you and I'll still text you and all that stuff. And it's like one of those things where it's like, we as Christians are the people who are most, are most empowered in these situations because we have nothing to fear. If I get the virus and die, awesome. Right. You know I mean, like that's actually better than where I'm living right now. Like, you right. Know, so, <laughs> Um, like the, the thing is like, we have, we win in every, in every, in every circumstance. And I don't, and I know people might hear that and think I'm being cavalier about our but role. Not at role. all. Because you think about the underground church in China and they literally are risking their life every time they meet. And it's not because of, you know, a virus, although they've been hit really hard, but just because it's illegal to do that. Right. Exactly. Hey, so I need to cut us off right here because we are running out of time. Oh man, we were just getting started. I know. So listen, this is part one though. We are going to continue this conversation that will be released as a rebel podcast. And so check out the feed tomorrow or the day after that for that episode. And And if you're a patron, did we say this? If you're a patron, then you get video content. Yeah. So if you go, hey, video, give all of our beautiful. That's right. <laughs> give at any amount, and we're gonna make this, this uh, episode, these two episodes in video form available to you um, at any amount, either one time or if you 
uh, sign up monthly. You can see Pody making all kinds of inappropriate gestures at me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Oh, thank, you so for, thank you for listening. <laughs> and we always appreciate it. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest truth that should get you speechless. What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces. Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus. Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees' wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night. He called the rabbi and gave him props, said he was a teacher from God. Jesus replied, made him stop. Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in. In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again. That must have consumed and stretched his mind, cause he said, Can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1, yeah And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation and situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal pure his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who was given new birth from above